Welcome to Reputation Town. Hey everybody, welcome to Reputation Town, episode 21. This is Warren Weeks, and I'm joined by my friend and uh, colleague, John Paranak. John, we haven't done one in a couple of weeks. How are things going with you? Pretty good, pretty good. Looking forward to, I think spring's around the corner, Warren. I think it's gonna, <laughs> snow's going to melt. and It's a long, it's no a time. big corner. <laughs> Did you, who's, who's the shoveler in your family? I guess I'm guessing Oh, that's me. Are. Do you have a snowblower or is it like old school? No, just shovel. How many hours did it take you with that big one we got? There's probably a couple different rounds of, yeah. you know, Can't an hour at a time. I went and shoveled you... the neighbor too. Oh. I just, uh, I just told my family to, if you don't, if I don't, if I'm not back in an hour, come. <laughs> Call 911. Dial 911 and come look for me. Is it like an old lady kind of thing? It's an elderly couple, yeah, lives Aww. next door. Did they say thanks? Uh, no, I didn't even see them. Or did they just yell at you to get off their property? No, they didn't even see me. They, it's just That's so, this random act of kindness. Very nice of you. Uh, anything going on in the uh, off-topic banter area? Again, I feel like we haven't caught up. The only time I see you is on these podcasts these days. <laughs> That'll change. I feel like, I feel it's interesting, I feel like election... Fever is about to begin, even though it's still like five and a half months away. I think uh, it's going to be going to be a very, very election centric spring in Ontario. Uh, care to make a prediction? <laughs> I know you love. Yeah, those. no, I think that, I think the existing governor will win again. I think Doug Ford will win oh again. Oh my god! Did we talk about him with the little shovel? I can't remember. No, I, I but if we, you and I were talking offline about it. Can we can we do a little bit on that? Because sure, uh, go ahead. So. Again, nonpartisan. I'm like, no, it's just whatever. But you see these things take place, and he he was missing in action for months. You know, he made this decision. What was it? Protect the king. You know, get him out of the. And a bunch of the premiers did this. They got out of the public eye, and they went away, letting the medical people take the kind of heat for the continuing mistakes and errors and judgment and everything else. And then we had this big, big snowfall in the Greater Toronto area. Like I don't know, like a couple of feet. It was it was pretty big. It took me about four and a half hours to shovel. And uh, then you see him on the news everywhere with this little shovel. And first of all, such a contrived PR stunt, right? It's so, it's just so, hey, guy, folks, buck a beer with my shovel. And, but then people started making fun of like, first the, the shovel itself, it looked like one of those ones that your kid goes to the beach with this little weird shovel. And then the way he was shoveling was Usually you shovel, like you push it in front of you and you scoop it over a snowbank. And he was kind of like, he looked like he was curling or something. He had this thing and he's like scooping it between his legs and pulling the snow in. It was just kind of weird. So, uh, and he took a lot of heat online from people just like very, very uh, opportunistic for him to pop up and be shoveling one car out of a, in a province of 15 million. Anyway, so that was kind of funny. <laughs> yeah. But you know, this, that's totally on brand for the guy. He's he's the guy who's there to help your neighbor shovel out. You think his base likes that? I, I do. I, I think. I think, a, I think. And generally speaking, people. I think people online who are making fun of him over over the shovel, like, are the kind of people who are just not going to be interested in him in the first place. So, but like, is this really the, is this the best use of this guy's time? You know what I mean? Like, great, you're shoveling someone out. That's nice. Like, you shoveling your neighbor's driveway and not telling anybody about it is a thousand times better than him calling all the media and having his PR person videotape this shoveling out one car while there's a pandemic going on. You know what I mean? Like, just, like, shouldn't you be doing something a little more strategic? Well, I know, but if you applied, you know, it's kind of ruthless lo- logic to government, 
uh, you'd say, well, we'd probably be better off if most people stayed home from government and <laughs> they did a, did, uh, did, did less inter- things to do, did fewer things to screw things up. I did a, on my other podcast, I did an interview with Bruce Croxon, you know, the dragon's den guy. Oh yeah. And he, it was great, great, great conversation with that guy. And, uh, we talked about politicians a bit and he, while he was very diplomatic, he said uh, something like, it's not a profession that attracts the best and the brightest. And I think that was about as accurate as you can get. There, there's some really great people in that line of work, but there's a lot of doofuses also. Oh, no question. All right. Um, so any, any anything else off brand or off topic you want to riff on? Or, no, we, uh, or we have lots up? to talk about today. So let's, let's dive in. Okay. So, First on the agenda today is uh, the All In podcast, and this is, I listen to this religiously, I think you do as well. I do, yeah. Um, and then they're into like, I think 65, 66 episodes, they've got quite a quite a following, I think over a million listeners, and, and it's basically this group of very wealthy dudes, venture capital, California types who get on there, and they talk about, you know, venture capital and business and investing and their own companies, and just, they kind of... Um, they also rip on each other, which is kind of the, the fun part that I like. And it reminds you of like us at the hockey pool or something like that. Guys mm-hmm. just kind of like just te- tearing a strip off, off each other and like give it as good as they can take. Anyway, last week uh, or no, two weeks ago, they got in um, uh, one of one of the, 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 the podcasters, uh, Chamath Polyhapatia, got into some hot water with some comments that he made. Do you want to kind of just give a little overview of, uh, of the story? Sure. Interesting guy too. Uh, he, he and his family originally emigrated to Canada from Sri Lanka. And then, uh, he went to, I think university of Waterloo and then ended up working at Facebook. And, um, I think that's where he sort of made his initial fortune there. Mm-hmm. But, um, they were in a, uh, one of the hosts raised the, raised the issue of, um, the, the human rights of the Uyghurs in China and how, you know, all accounts are they're being oppressed is probably the, 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 the friendly way of saying what's happening to them. And um, Chamath spoke up and and the point he was trying to make, I th- uh, and by the way, I should also say that he's a very progressive guy. Like it's pretty clear, you know, as much as he is like a, a, a businessman, he's very progressive in his politics. But anyway, he, he made, he, he sort of interjected and said like, nobody, nobody cares about the Uyghurs. Um, and, um, so before I think, before I say what I think he was trying to say, that sort of led to like, you know, obviously a very heated discussion on their podcast. But then the knock-on effect of that was like really broad-based um, uh, criticism, and like you know, like the guy is part owner of um, an NBA basketball team, yeah. and um, you know he's on the board of a lot of a lot of companies like um, Richard Branson's. Um, space company and uh, you know just it goes on and on anyway uh he was being called out by the white house and you know yeah. like you name it um yeah. for that uh for that comment and huge like he basically they, they tried to cancel him in that week he was getting mm-hmm. just inundated with uh with with messages and we've seen this kind of thing play out and we've talked about a bunch of these people so they say something um, inappropriate or that the public doesn't like, and then people jump on them and the, the person is effectively canceled. Um, I, I, I had heard the comment in the first, I think you might hear some cats in the background. Sorry guys. Um, 
I heard the initial comment on the podcast and I were as you know, you know, you're cleaning up doing housework or whatever and you, you're listening to a podcast and I remember thinking, oh shit, this, this sounds a little, uh, a little blunt. And then I'm like, ah, you know, these guys, uh, one thing they do is they're, they're all extremely wealthy. And I think that that buffer gives them the ability to kind of say what's on their mind and everyone, you know, you're in different moods and things like that. But the comments were, he just got dumped on that week and I didn't really hear anything. And I, I missed kind of the, 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 the news about him until the following week. And the podcast began with a, he just got into an apology right off the bat. And they had this whole discussion about it. And, uh, uh, that from a reputation management standpoint, it, there's a lot of interesting factors here, but uh, how did you, how do you think the, that they handled it with the apology? Because it kind of seems to have gone away now. It did. So I think there's two parts to it, right? There's the part that Chamath did himself, uh, um, you know, uh, in the statement he delivered. And then there's the sort of broader um, backfill that the other co-hosts on the pod did to support him his comment you know his apology was was straightforward and really what he was trying to say and i think this is the the point that i took away from when i heard the original conversation was he's a very progressive guy and he's the first one to talk about the um, the you know effect that the pandemic's having on children and mm -hmm. like he's he's very thoughtful in that way and i think what he was trying to say was that look there's a lot of other problems that are closer to home and um, there may be people who are paying lip service to what's happening with the, with the Uyghurs in China, mm -hmm. but um, in reality, that's, there's not a lot of people who think much more than that. Like there's not a lot of people out there <laughs> taking really substantive action to do, to do things, to, to deal with the plight of these people. And so his, his idea was that we got other things we should be focusing on or that I'm focusing, uh, that I'm focused on. And, and to your point, like you said it in a really flippant and blunt way. And I think that's what, um, that's what um, got him into trouble. Um, so I think his, his opening statement was was like ex laid laid the track on you know where he comes from as an individual, what he believes, and you know sort of was very I think well uh, well uh, written by his PR team and probably legal team. What did you think? Mm -hmm. Um, I, I thought, well, the, I was taken aback by the apology cause I, you know, and I had forgotten, I have to say, I heard the podcast. I thought, wow, that sounds a little, a little kind of offensive or slightly, you know, it sounded like a dangerous comment and he, and I, I think I got the intention. He was basically saying, look, um, there, the world is basically on fire right now. And this is a problem so far away. It's very difficult for people to care about it. And, uh, and I think his point was even that the people who were trying to cancel him on Twitter and on social media, those people are all, not all, but a lot of them are just <clears throat> virtue signaling and trying to say like, oh, look how great we are and look how terrible he is. But meanwhile, they're not doing anything either. And it's no. probably not a big, a big issue for them. And so uh, I don't, you know, I don't, I don't know the guy, I don't think his intentions were, were malicious, but I found it interesting that, um, you know, we've, we've seen a lot of situations in the past couple of years where if something like that took place, the person at the center of it would feel so much heat and so much pressure that they would leave. Like he would have quit the podcast. They'd have a statement. He'd be off this board, off that board. And we didn't see that in this case. And again, I don't know. There's a bunch of different factors. I don't think it's one thing. Um, but I found it interesting that he, uh, you know, because they asked him online, like, what did you think of all the, the comments? And he's like, I didn't really pay attention to that. Like he didn't, he tried to insulate himself from that as well. And I think that's a huge, like there's part of our, 
brains when someone I've talked and you know, I've done some counseling with people from a media relations perspective who've been in situations like this on a smaller scale and you might have 84 positive messages and if you have three negative ones those are the three that just you obsess about and are really really difficult to deal with and so uh um, I found it interesting like maybe there's a lesson in there for people again as long as you haven't done something awful um, if the world is trying to cancel you, I thought there were some lessons in there. Like, first of all, turn off your Twitter feed. Like, don't look at the negative comments and then look at it through a historical lens as opposed to a 24 hour lens, because I think a lot of people in that situation would have felt the pressure and caved. And I thought it was interesting that, that he didn't. And, you know, do you think this affects him, uh, five years from now, 10 years from now, do you think this is going to be the first thing in his Wikipedia page or is this going to just uh, go away in, in the fog of history? Oh, I th- entirely the latter. Well, so, I, I think it's, it's, yeah. you know, sort of a speed bump. What, so, what, what do you think? I agree. I, I think, I think there were some like lessons in here in terms of companies, leaders, businesses. If you get yourself in a little bit of trouble, don't overemphasize the negative. And, uh, and, and again, you know, the apology I thought was they, they didn't even start. They just boom right into the apology and, uh, kind of addressed the elephant in the room and, uh, and the takeaway was, and maybe this is a little bit of a PR spin, but they're basically saying like, look, you know, because of a result of this, people are talking about it now. And maybe that helps, you know, so that was maybe uh, putting lipstick on a peg a little bit is the old expression, but uh, maybe they're right. But I thought there was, from a reputation management standpoint, I thought there were some interesting tactics in there and the way that it was handled. And, and the other question is, can you effectively, can you cancel a billionaire? Can you cancel someone who doesn't rely on the system for their income? I guess you can deplatform them or demonetize their their videos, but ultimately, um, is there such a thing as too big to cancel? And, you know, I don't know. Like we've seen some pretty well, like you know, Ellen has effectively, I think, been if she's not canceled, she's certainly in the process of it. So I don't know. Yeah, but but and, you know, but I think to build on what you're saying, like these guys pride themselves on built have built uh, having built a platform for themselves yeah. that takes no advertising dollars, because to your point, they're all you know rich and they don't really care about whether um, they, they, they get ad dollars from it. Um, and they have a direct to their fans uh, channel. They don't rely on any sort of intermediary to, to in order enable them to reach their fans. And so they have, they built a, the workaround we keep talking about, you know, um, when it comes to communications generally, where you used to have to rely on the media in the past to reach broad swaths of people or targeted mm-hmm. groups of people. Frankie, you don't, doesn't really matter anymore in many respects because you can connect directly with people um, uh, by using, you know, these kinds of content, uh, content you generate yourself. And just the last thing I'll say is, you know, I think you're, you're right to key in on learnings from this. Uh, one learning I took away from it was um, by looking at the, what the NBA did in response, because so he, he owns a small, portion of uh, well i shouldn't say small it's he owns a portion of the of the um golden, golden state, state warriors, warriors. Yeah. yeah and and the nba um sort of tweeted kind of to minimize him tweeted oh you know uh he's a small shareholder in blah 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 and um you know we don't kind of just disavowing themselves of them yeah but I thought, you know, this is a great example of how, especially with organizations that you're affiliated with, um, when it comes to your reputation, you can never really rely on, expect to rely on anyone to, to back you up there unless you've done the work yourself to make sure it's there. Because here's an organization, the NBA, 
It is basically saying, oh, he's not being sensitive enough to the plight of the Uyghurs. And so we're going to yeah. minimize him and, and be, you know, belittle his, his role in our, our uh, organization. At the same time, this is the same organization that bends <laughs> over caved. backwards to protect its business interests in China. You know, so it's like, you know, well, anyway, it just, the NBA does not have your back. Basically. No, <laughs> they do not. At least then we know where their loyalties are. Yeah. The almighty dollar. The almighty That's right. Dollar. That's right. Okay. So uh, you had an Anne Frank story that you wanted to bring up as well. Uh, and I, I have to say, I haven't had ch- a chance to dig into this, but it was kind of interesting. So why don't you just uh, bring us through it, please? Okay. So it's a really quick one, but I think, so uh, as I've said before, uh, history, more than a little history uh, obsessed, and especially when it comes to World War II. So I saw this story and it actually, it got to be a, a pretty notable one internationally because 60 Minutes um, talked to the the quote-unquote team who did this research. And basically what it was a FBI agent, a retired FBI agent and a bunch of historians who looked at um, uh, the history of Anne Frank. Um, As people might remember, she was a teenage girl who died in one of the Nazi concentration camps um, in 1945 at 15 years old after hiding out in Amsterdam in a, in a building there where she was, her and her family were being hidden. And um, uh, the, the idea is that somebody tipped the Nazis off to the fact she was hiding in the building and was sent off to the camps as a result. So they were looking at this, this, these historians were looking at, you know, who, gave up the 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 fact that you know there were Jews hiding in that building which which frankly you know there was um there's some historical record to look at when it comes to this but this team basically came to the conclusion that there was one person who's responsible for uh, tipping off the um the Germans to the location of of Anne Frank and from a reputation standpoint i thought this was just sort of inconscionable that here's a team of people who for basically a profit motive are completely um, sewering the reputation of somebody who died in 1950 um, and uh, on the basis of inconclusive evidence. In fact, um, the head of the the fund that set up in Anne Frank's name um, uh, called the findings a betrayal of the diarist and, and full of errors. And, I just think this is like just such low, low class to be, um, uh, be doing this kind of thing. Like I, I think it's certainly a topic that's worthy of research, but to basically try and pin it on someone just for the PR, effectively, is is was kind of shocking. So now, as someone who hasn't researched this at all, uh, and I'm just hearing about it like today, what do you think the likelihood is that they're right? You know what I mean? Like as a, as an observer. Did they did they just come out of this uh, come up with this out of the blue or is there a, a, a trail of evidence and logic that kind of points to this individual? Well, there's there's a trail of documents and and you know references. Uh, you know, there were other people they looked at who potentially could have been um, the source of the information, uh, but they decided that this one person in particular was was probably where it came from, but there's no way of knowing for sure. And even if, even if you did know for sure, you're basically talking about a situation where, um, you know, um, uh, 
the army is basically saying to you, uh, give us the location of where people are hiding or, you know, you're going to be off to the next train yourself. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know. I, I just think that's, it's really unfair what they did. And, and like this, this guy has a family who is exists to this day. And, you know, I, I can't imagine what kind of, um, what kind of pressure that's been putting on them. Well, they can sue. I'm sure. Possibly, possibly. Anyway, just interesting reputation note that, uh, had a historical reference. I thought was, uh, was worthy of, uh, some, some, some discussion. The thing, the thing that it brings up is that's kind of interesting is like, you think that, I don't know, like maybe stupidly you, you assume that when you die, you're done with your reputation, you know, that's it. <laughs> like whatever you did, good or bad, that's it. And now, you know, you can go through someone's tweets or YouTube videos or whatever, you know, with Anne Frank, you know, diary, but mm-hmm. you, you had the stupid assumption that once you're dead, it's over. But now like, you, you know, you, you they're, they're going after a guy that died like 70 years ago. It yeah. Is, and, it, it is. And what does uh, this family do? Like, Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, what does this family do? They hire their own team to do a yeah, counter. Yeah. Like who has Besmirch the money? Someone else. It reminds me of um, seeing like, I don't know who it is, like, but Fred Astaire or whatever in a vacuum commercial. You're like, mm-hmm. oh, geez, can we let the guy, you know, yeah. rest in peace, please. Like, yeah. I'm not sure he would have signed off on that. No, exactly. Exactly. But how long till we're going to see, like, this is something that, that actors have to look in, into now, like their rights after their death. Like Arnold Schwarzenegger could be dead for 20 years and they can do a Terminator and brand new Terminator movie with him with complete, like they can do all the dialogue and all the action. They don't even need him anymore. And so that's something no. that I think a lot of these people are building into their, it really brings in that reputation piece into like, I had never, assu- I just assumed that once you're dead, your reputation is set. And this is, uh, it is kind of disconcerting from that regard. So I yeah, know. yeah, no, for sure. So, uh, <clears throat> trucker convoy, the, uh, Whatever, whatever you want to call them, a lot of different names uh, for these these folks who have traveled across, and they're in they're clogging up Ottawa right now. And uh, specifically, I think what I wanted to to bring up about this one was with respect to the Terry Fox statue. And so I had seen something. We're recording this on Monday. Had seen something Sunday night that the 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 statue of Terry Fox in Ottawa, in downtown Ottawa, just not, not too far from the Parliament buildings, had been um, what do they call it desecrated. And I'm thinking, oh, geez, like what, you know, and so they had put basically like an upside down flag and like a sign in his hands or something like that, which is, again, you don't, you don't mess with Terry Fox. Okay. Um, And I I found that, uh, and it blew up on Twitter and people are always looking for these little polarizing moments. And for all, like, I don't know who did it. I don't know how it was done. There's thousands of people there. It could have been just some bonehead who did it. You know, it could have been, anyway, so the... The comment that I wanted to bring up was the uh, the handling of it, right? And so the Terry Fox Foundation, at they're at Terry Fox Canada on Twitter. They have a photo of the statue um, with nice cloudy sky behind it. And they say their only reference to it is this. The Terry Fox Foundation is proud to continue Terry's mission of funding cancer research. Terry believed in science and gave his life to help others. Thank you to all of our supporters who help us work toward realizing Terry's dream of a world without cancer. And that was sent out yesterday afternoon and has like uh, 38,000 likes at, at the time. And so didn't refer to the, uh, the ne'er-do-wells, didn't refer to the political issues, didn't refer to any of that stuff. It was, uh, and I saw a lot of people commenting online that it was a very high road approach to this kind of lowbrow uh, situation you have a couple options, right? Do you get down in the mud with them or do you keep it high? And you know, it, 
you see a tweet, you never know who put it together, who the team was, but I just, I'd like to applaud the individual that did that because they, they kept it classy. And I think that's more in keeping with Terry Fox's memory. And uh, my understanding is that there's a ton of donations flooding into the foundation now as a result of that. So uh, what was your, what was your read on the whole situation? So I don't disagree with that, but my read, my reaction was I hadn't seen what the protesters had done. And so when I saw the Terry Fox tweet, I was kind of like perplexed. I was like, why are they sending this out? I don't understand what, what sort of prompted them to say this today of, on the weekend, you know, out of, out of the blue. And so then I, you know, went back and, you know, looked to look, took a look to see what was happening. And, um, I don't know, like I'm a bit torn because I agree that you want to, don't want to get down to the mud and, you know, lower the organization to that level. Um, and so it, it, it worked because obviously it was, it was designed to, respond to the journalists who are looking for what does the Terry Fox foundation have to say? If I was going to do, do anything differently, I might have some made it some oblique reference to how, you know, we don't support um, what's going on or the sentiments of a particular sentiment that we think is emerging from this or that was ascribed to Terry Fox. Um, but uh, you know, I think we're splitting hairs. So you don't overall you don't think it was the best approach. Well, I think it was okay. Like it was fine. Like I, but like I, like I said, it was it was fine because it responded to what journalists were asking. But do you f- think that for somebody the, like uh, me who just came across it, yeah, you didn't like, really oh, understand. That's a nice thing you're saying. Yeah. Do you think it's possible that they were the soft approach was trying to uh, avoid alienating some folks who might um, be Terry Fox fans, but might be more on like in that kind of trucker rural sort of, uh, and again, not to lump everyone together, but do you think they're trying not to alienate part of their, uh, their donation audience? Yeah, for sure. But I think you can probably do that. You can still do both things. You just, you don't have to like be, it's not a binary situation, right? Where you either yeah. taking the completely disconnected sort of high road or getting down into the weeds with them. I think, yeah, I think there's, there's, there's a middle middle option there they could have pursued. Um, because I think you're right. I think, you know, they want to basically not be put, putting the organization in some sort of polarizing context where all of a sudden, (laughs) you know, you're wearing this and you lose, uh, lose the support of a big chunk of Canadians. And it must be fun in Ottawa right now. Um, I have some friends there and they've uh, been tweeting with them, said it's actually kind of scary what's happening and just the gridlock and people aren't able to get to hospitals and things. And uh, you probably saw stories about the uh, the soup kitchen or the sort of... I uh, did, yeah. ...getting raided. Yeah. Like that's that's just terrible stuff. And it might be a very small number of people, but it just it's casting a very, very negative light on the whole, uh, on the whole thing. Yeah, yeah, agreed. Well, you know what? Like, I don't know how many people actually showed up, but... Anytime you get thousands of people together, there's going to be a bunch of yahoos <clears throat> regardless. So um, uh, it just seems that maybe there was a higher, propor- <laughs> higher proportion in this protest. <laughs> you know what's more interesting to me is the the amount of media coverage these guys got. Oh, my God. Crazy. The Unbelievable. Like, they're like reporting on the scene. and uh, Elon Musk was tweeting about it. Yeah. And they're saying, you know, what, 50,000 trucks. And or it was... And, I saw some drone footage. Yeah, there's a couple thousand people. It's not, it's nothing like what they said it was. Oh, and God, so no. 
like, you know, you wonder why, why did some of these news organizations not send someone out and say, look, go get a drone, fire it up and like get, get a read on how big this thing is. Um, and it just, you know, is it, is this a function of smaller newsrooms, smaller budgets, everyone's working from home. Maybe we're, you know, or just, maybe we're just taking their word for it. But this is one of those ones where I think they really oversold it and they got millions of dollars worth of media coverage for this. And I am not really sure that it was, uh, warranted given, given like, of, of course it's disruptive and there's a bunch of trucks, but it was nothing. It was a fraction of what they had kind of said online. Oh God. Yeah. It's one of those things where actually the the media's coverage of it helps perpetuate yeah, the narrative yeah, that the yeah. that the uh, organizers are trying to pursue. And as much as they, <laughs> you know, say, "Oh, we hate the media," um, they have a, like a kind of symbiotic relationship there. Yeah, uh, I'm uh, equally upset about the guy or someone. I guess it was a guy <laughs> who whizzed on the uh, war memorial. On the, I know. Did you see that in the snow? That's yeah, like I did. Yeah, unconscionable. Unconscionable. And you know, and like we were talking about that on the weekend and I go back to that sort of saying, never, never attribute to malice. What can be described, um, uh, ascribed to, um, <laughs> incompetence or stupidity. And I think it's, it's probably, probably that, but uh, you know, it just, obviously there was a great, a lot of disrespect shown to a lot of, a lot of people in Ottawa and continues to be. Yeah. Okay, final one we have for today is the, uh, and of course, anyone who's been, follows the show must know we're going to talk about this. We're saving the best for last. No, before I do that, though, I want to say, we also have no ads on this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) But for a completely different reason. (laughs) Um, And I have to say, too, just before we jump into the live, we're talking about Joe Rogan and Spotify. Before we jump in, how are you feeling about the, the intro music and the logo? We're 21 episodes in. 1% 1% of podcasts make it this far. So we've hit that milestone. How are you? I got to say, it's driving we, me crazy. We need a brand refresh. <laughs> we, need, we need a brand refresh. <laughs> okay. So, um, all right. So why don't we, okay. We'll, we'll talk offline about that, but yeah. I'm glad you agree. Cause it's, uh, I, I liked, I liked where it was in the beginning and we're kind of building this thing, but it just, we're, we're maturing as a podcast. We're maturing, yeah. We're 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 like a teen. We're now in uh, podcast years. We're teenager. Okay, so Joe Rogan and Spotify. I don't even know if we need to give context on this. I think everybody's aware of what's going on. But uh, Neil Young was the one who was the the catalyst for this. Basically, saying I don't want you can either have Joe Rogan and his podcast, or you can have Neil Young's music, but you can't have both. And so Spotify pulled Neil Young's music off the platform, which he doesn't or, control anymore. Well, I, th- I was he, gonna say did. I think he deplat he deplatformed himself. Like he asked well, he, for his music to be withdrawn, right? He said, "Well, he asked for uh I believe that he said either take off his or take off mine." And they said, "Well, we're not taking off his." And so he <laughs> yeah. said, "Well, take okay. off mine." And uh and then Joni Mitchell did the same and then a yeah. bunch of other artists did. And I saw was it I think it was James Blunt. <laughs> did you see his tweet yesterday? No. He said, uh, if you don't take Joe Rogan, like I'm paraphrasing, but basically if you don't take Joe Rogan off Spotify, I'm going to continue to publish music on Spotify. (laughs) (laughs) So it's kind of a good sense of humor. But um, people are going crazy about this. It's been trending for for days and days and days, and it seems to be getting bigger. And there hasn't been much of a reaction from, well, we didn't see anything from Joe Rogan until last night. And uh, I haven't even seen the video. I saw that it came out and I kind of read excerpts of it. But um, it's it seems to be interesting. Like, like what happens next? Like, what if Taylor Swift 
or Billie Eilish. You know what I mean? Like, what if an artist of that magnitude who who make a ton of money from Spotify and are these huge brands, what if they jump on this bandwagon? Um, why are people doing this? Debates about censorship. And is this having the desired effect? Um, you know, is... Some people argue that Joe Rogan's becoming bigger as a result of this, getting more coverage, more attention, more eyeballs, or more eardrums, I guess, than eyeballs. Um, what's your uh, what's your take on... We haven't discussed this at all, so I'd be fascinated to see what you... Because as I'm watching the story, I'm like, oh, I can't wait to talk to Paranak. So the um, I think you hit the nail on the head. Like The whole Neil Young thing is it's kind of a sideshow. I think the, what matters is, how, is does that engender any kind of broader desire from bigger stars to want to say, Oh, I, I don't want to be on this platform. Like this is, this is like total cancellation because we don't like what people are saying, which I, I, I have a real problem with. I, I think, in fact, I think uncomfortable speech, it's important that we have that out in the open because I think it, it gets critiques. It gets, uh, you know, it was open to, to evaluation. I think when you try and like totally shut down, those counter countervailing opinions um, that that can be really problematic. And I, I don't think that's, that's a, that's a good thing, but it, gets, it speaks to like, what is, what is Spotify though? Is it a, is it a media company? Is it a, is it a, a platform for speech? Like I think, I think from a corporate standpoint, the, the core mess, the, that's the core thing they're wrestling with and they have to try and find a way. Now, it, you know, they, they announced a bunch of stuff that Rogan talks about in his video today. He po- published on an Instagram that they're going to do to, to provide, um, uh, you know, just some sort of flags around content that yeah, he produces. Like a warning label. Yeah. Yeah. Some warning labels. Uh, and maybe, and hopefully that'll be enough, enough from a company standpoint to, you know, settle, settle down any concerns among other, <laughs> other artists. But, um, this, this is a broader, a broader thing. Obviously a lot of organizations are facing Twitter and, Facebook and all of them. Did you see the tweet from Edward Snowden about this? No. What did he say? Pull it up. See the thing. The thing that so this actually started before because so Rogan did a bunch of podcasts with doctors and they talked about COVID, and um, and it also started with a he did a podcast with Jordan Peterson recently. Yeah, last week. Yeah, well, they talked about race and things. Yeah, and. Like at the end of the day, like a lot of the stuff that gets talked about in these conversations that Rogan has is just like dumb. shooting the shit. Like it's just stuff, you know, and it's just, just like the, 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 like fine, whatever. Like people can have dumb conversations. Like that's not a, yeah. that's not a big deal. Where people got really animated was where he was talking to these doctors and they felt like the doctors were sharing misinformation. Yeah. Um, uh, but but as we've seen throughout the whole, whole pandemic, what what is valid information one day becomes oh uh, our thinking has evolved and the science now says something else and so it changes and so like there's no there's no static point of reference here and so the, the, how can you how can you really say like like unless you're unless you're t- like talking about some like crazy I'm gonna like yes inject yourself with bleach kind of stuff which yeah. is which is obviously demonstrably false well they canceled um, that guy too how, yeah how do you how do you uh how do you say oh you can't be talking about you know these different scientific points of view 
So the tweet from Edward Snowden was on January 28th, and he, another another polarizing figure, but his tweet was, um, nobody has stronger opinions about Joe Rogan than people who have never listened to Joe Rogan. And then he follows it up with one. You know, have you seen the logo, right? It's him with this crazy eyeball, and yeah. he's got this bananas look on his face, and it's all like orange and red. He says, I mean, just look at the logo. What part of this primes in you an ex- Sorry. I mean, just look at the logo. Which part of this primes in you an expectation of reliable medical advice? <laughs> <laughs> and I think that the the first tweet though had uh, two hundred fourteen thousand likes, and so it's interesting that it's just you know um, he his I think a lot of people are I don't know what the right word is scared, intimidated, bothered by the by the size of this guy's audience, mm-hmm. and he uh, you know we were talking before he's like he's a self professed meathead right he's a guy he 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 lifts weights works out MMA actor comedian he gets paid to say outrageous things. And he has this podcast where he just shoots the shit with people for three and four hours at a time. Random stuff comes up, just like it would in any other conversation. But the power and the the breadth of that platform, and like the last figure I saw, and I don't know if it's accurate, but it said that he was reaching 11 million people with each episode. And he does like three or four a week, typically two, three, four a week. And so that's, you know, a ton of content. And it's just, it's really, you know, you look at, well, and the other thing is people are saying, oh, Spotify's market cap went down $4 billion since the Neil Young thing took place. I'm like, yeah, have you checked the stock market? Everything's down $4 billion, right? Thank and you. So, so <laughs> go ahead. Well, to me, that's really, it's that's cherry picking on in terms of the media, looking at a trend that took place other, like today, it's up it's up 12% right now as we're recording this. So is that is that good? Is that good for Joe Rogan? Is it bad for Neil Young? Like, I think ultimately reputation wise, it's good for everybody involved. Neil Young and Joni Mitchell are on Apple Music now. They're making tons of money over there. Um, they're the two top artists, and good on Apple for highlighting them when you go over there. More people are talking about Joe Rogan. It's got to be a win for him. Spotify ultimately is trying to corner the audio market, and you know you can say a lot of things about them. Like I don't know do you, if if you know about the model of how they pay their artists. It's terrible. It's yeah. really there was Alan Cross. Uh, a guy I got to interview, uh, but a little over a year ago, he's like the the CFNY, the voice of uh, indie music. He broke down how in very in real detail how artists get paid from Spotify, and it's uh, it's it's a terrible model. Like you would uh, like in terms of the the olden days when people were selling CDs and albums and stuff like that. Today, it's just a mi- minor, minor, minor fraction of that. I think like one play on Spotify gets you a third of a penny as an artist and uh, the number like of streams percentage wise, like let's say Billie Eilish, let's say she gets 40% of the traffic in a given month. I'm just making that number up. I don't know, but it's, it would be big. She would get 40% of all the subscription revenue. That's how it's split up. And so little artists have no chance at all, but they made this huge deal with him. Um, haven't heard a lot from Spotify. They sound like they're backpedaling a bit. Joe Rogan saying, Hey, the, you know, I'm just trying to have conversations. If they want to have these warnings, that's great. I'll try to have more, more experts on. And so you can see that he's kind of in a headlock as well. It's just a really fascinating, uh, conversation. And to me, the bigger thing is the battle over free speech and certain segments of society where, their first, their go-to is cancellation and censorship. I have big problems with that because where do you, it's a, it's a slippery slope. Where do you end up with that? Where does that go two years, three years, five years down the road? Are you only allowed to listen to certain people who, it, it sounds kind of 1984 to me. And so like, if you don't like it, don't subscribe to it. You know, the, the most powerful thing you could do if you don't like a certain podcast is delete it. 
Exactly. And actually that speaks to, I remember something that I was exposed to early on in my public relations career is this idea that if you're in the midst of a crisis, um, you got the the thing you should be doing is you should be, um, you should be sort of backpedaling or retreating to a point of safety, um, as a, as like the, de facto standard of best practice when it comes to uh, crisis or issues management. And that's not, that's not the case, right? Like I, I just, I remember at the time thinking that doesn't seem right to me. And over the years, it's become increasingly true. That it's not right. It's like, sometimes you have to take, um, you know, take, you know, stands. Sometimes you have to take uh, business decisions that are going to be unpopular. And, you know, like, um, I think this is one of them where, where it's, there's a bigger principle at work here and Spotify can't just, uh, you know, backpedal to a point where it injures their business or, or, or whatever the case may be. Right. Like, like the, deep, deep, like they've invested a hundred million dollars in Joe Rogan. Right. They're not going yeah. to, they're not going to to back away from that. Um, I wonder if, is there a way to undo that deal? Like, you know, again, if, if you're the leaders of Spotify, they have to be nervous right now. Like, the world is ganging up on them. It's possible that they could be left with Joe Rogan and a bunch of small bands. You know, it's, it's like, it's a, it's a bit of a hyperbolic example, but it's possible like that could happen. Right. Sure. At what, like what's, what's the tipping point? Is it Taylor Swift? Is it, I don't know, Bruno Mars? Is it the weekend? Like, I, you know, I'm just, these are names I'm just pulling out of a hat of popular artists right now. But at what point do they say, Holy bleep, we got to We got to back out. It's like, is that possible? And then, and then does Joe Rogan, you know, probably gets his money anyway, and he goes and goes direct to consumer, goes back on Apple. Uh, I'm not sure Apple would even take him at this point. But the point is, again, is he a guy? Is he is he cancelable? The guy has untold millions of dollars. He has a massive audience. Like bigger, the the stat that always blows me away, it's his audience today is bigger than Oprah's at her peak. And, and she was just so massive. But people could yeah. see that on TV every day. And it's just... Yeah. It's so it's so ridiculous. So is he even is he even cancelable? Well, I think anyone is, depending on what they but do. Like right? how, but like, how how would you cancel a Joe Rogan? Like, how do you make it? Like, if he decides to host his own podcast on his own website, you don't think those eleven million people are still going to go and get it every day? Oh yeah, for sure. So is he then? Is he canceled? Because I don't like. Does he give a okay, shit about he, the other so, people? Yeah. Okay. So he's not canceled. Like you can't cancel his voice. You could, you can say you you know, could, he's in the canceled pile of people over yeah. there and he can be like, you're naughty and you go in the corner, but he's yeah. still, you haven't affected him financially. You haven't affected his reputation. You've actually bolstered it with his key audience. It's, it's just, it's interesting, right? Um, most people, most organizations don't have that luxury. Like if you are, um, I don't know, a journalist and you say the wrong thing, you're, you're done, you're out. Uh, but with someone of the of a platform, I think there's a certain like too big to cancel. And I think Chamath is in that group, and I think Joe Rogan's in that group. Certainly, you can have a lot of people angry with you, but um, I don't think you can uh, affect them in a in a in a way that's going to be meaningful financially or even reputation wise. Like like again, I think this whole thing has been good for uh, Joe Rogan. It's been good for Neil Young. It's been good for Joni Mitchell and whoever the next lineup of artists are going to be. They're taking advantage of this. Um, Spotify, that's the interesting one to me. And, um, I'm not even sure, like, let's say Spotify called you up and said, John, we need some advice. What do we do? I think they're doing what they, they're doing the right thing. They're, they're finding ways to, 
you know, um, strengthen their current position by saying, oh, we're going to add warning labels. We're going to, you know, have this sort of set of protocols, like you say, have a process attached to this, right? So it was, because it's, it's pretty hard for people to say, well, I, the, you know, prove that that process isn't going to work. So they have a process attached to it that pr- gives them some avenues to, to and flexibility to manage. Um, over the current, cri- uh, no, I don't even call it crisis, controversy, and um, you know it's there then to 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 manage future ones. That's what Facebook did, right? When they created that, when they created that like external panel, um, to you know if there was like a a question that came up about a, a person or a page on the platform that um, you know was seen to be you know violating um, certain standards they elevate it to this sort of independent or supposedly independent, but this panel that is staffed with, you know, a bunch of people not who don't work for Facebook to evaluate mm-hmm. it and, and report back to Facebook on what they think yeah. should be done. Now in, in that case, that's a weak example because Facebook just has veto rights over whatever the panel comes back with. Um, so they can still do whatever they want. So it doesn't really effectively do the thing you want it to do, right? If you have an independent process, and to say, well, it's out of our hands. You know, we passed it over to these smart people, and uh, we're going to see what they say. Uh, that can be really, that can be really uh, helpful in these situations. In this case, I don't think anyone wants to do that because Spotify doesn't want to be in a situation where they got to write off a hundred million dollars, right? <clears throat> they want to make, yeah. they want to make it yeah. work, and they want to keep their keep their artists that they've got. It's interesting that, uh, and again, try not to pick sides. Just observing the the the, the elements of the story. Um, why are people not doing the same thing to like, I don't know, Dr. Anthony Fauci, for example, because a lot of the things that he has said, and again, not to compare, like this is kind of apples and oranges, but a lot of the things that he has said since the beginning of the pandemic have proven to not really be, you know, when they said, you know, masks don't work yeah. or this and that, the, um, the, uh, the trying to stifle the, uh, lab leak theory, which is now one of the, you know, it's, it's on the table, right? Like yeah. it's like, it's, it's, it's not that it, this we don't know that this didn't happen like this. And then the connections of his work with uh, gain of function research and the U S government funding this stuff, like all of that stuff was kind of, and talk about conflict of interest. So mm-hmm. it's funny that we, it's uh, you know, Joe Rogan's a, is an easy target and that meathead kind of guy. And it just, it speaks to a trend where, uh, and this is the same thing with billionaires with when those guys were all going to space last year, people love tearing down people who are, at the top of the mountain. It's a very, it's like monkeys, right? Like mm-hmm. you ever see monkeys in those enclosures and they're always trying to pull the top one down. And it's, it's kind of similar to that. It's a very, not, it's not pervasive, but it's a, it's a, it's a, not an uncommon human trade. And I find, I think there's a little bit of that going on here. Like people resent, they might think in their head, like I'm smarter than that guy. Um, I have better judgment than that guy. Why does he have a hundred million dollar deal with Spotify? I think there's a little bit of that. Oh, I think well. so too. I, I remember I was doing this, this one project and there was like a, a Canadian, like, um, let's say a no, notable Canadian, um, who got into a bit of hot water, um, over, um, or Can things I guess, or do you, not, you don't want to say the name. I, I'd rather not. <laughs> um, and, uh, and there were like the same thing happened, right? People came out, from the woodwork to tear this person down. And one of the radio shows um, that I was listening to, because there was a discussion about this person, one of the, one of the people doing the tearing down said exactly that. It said, 
uh, I am also an artist, and for me to get ahead, I have to make room for myself, and I can make room for uh, myself by tearing that person down. And so I think there's that's totally um, something that exists. You know, I got to go back to something you said though, and this this is again, I think the way media covers things is, can be really disingenuous. Like it's one thing to have a straight up conversation about what's being said, and hmm. and let's have a debate about um, you know what the current status of science is when it comes to something like this pandemic but um uh the headline it was actually a headline that said oh you know since um uh, neil young called for his music to yeah. uh, be taken down spotify stock has fallen by two billion dollars and four billion like, or four billion dollars and and like that is just so wrong yeah and the fact that a headline editor or a journalist wrote that like it's demonstrably false that there's any connection between the two. They're, they're coincident things that are happening, yeah, but there's yeah. no, there's no causal relationship between the two and to imply that. And then you're like, all kinds of readers are reading that thinking, Oh yeah, stick it to the man. They're tweet, getting tweet, it tweet, like tweet, that to yeah. me, that is like no different. In fact, it's probably a little bit worse because you're actually either stupid or you're making a choice to be false in what you're, yeah. what you're putting out. Yeah. It's uh, there's there's definitely been and again, I I don't want to sound like that old grumpy guy, but it's um, it speaks to the I think the erosion of objectivity in newsrooms and people will roll their eyes at that term. It's very difficult to be objective. They it has to be taught. And I think good journalists have that or had that. And I think they still do good ones. Mm -hmm. But there's increasingly if you look at the pricing model of journalism, just the way that the economics of it work is you get paid by eyeballs and clicks. The stories that get more clicks, get more eyeballs, get more. They have software that links. Like if you wrote a story and put it out and we got three new subscribers this week, they they know that. And so um, there is, I think, just a human incentive to, to, to do this kind of stuff, clickbait, right? And it's, uh, it's, it's terrible for everybody. And it is a, it's a dirty, it's a dirty thing to do. And, uh, you know, I, you know, certainly some people have been canceling their Spotify premium accounts and posting that online. So I'm, you know, I'm not saying they, they haven't taken a financial hit, but like, as we're sitting here today, as I mentioned, their stock price is up 20 bucks. And so up 11.4% uh, as we're talking. So does that, you know, does that, is that related to the Joe Rogan thing or not? His apology. It's, it's, Joe uh, Rogan apologizes and stock goes up. <laughs> it's a little, it's a little dirty. It's yeah. a little dirty. Um, and so the next question is, um, what happens next? Cause I'm sure there's going to be another, there'll be another inflammatory guest or a thing that said, what other tools do they have? Like the only thing I can think of is that Spotify would start to pull episodes. So, uh, episode number, whatever, uh, the public doesn't like that one. And so we yank it and it's not accessible anymore. I, if, if that happens, I think Joe Rogan walks he must have a clause in his contract that says, you know, if this structure, the way I like to do my show is changed, I can get out and get my cash just like an athlete. Um, and the other one is, do they have, an, do they request to veto guests? Show us your guest list for the next month and we'll tell you which ones are acceptable. And again, I think he walks. Um, and hopefully he's got that, that kind of deal in place. Well, I shouldn't say hopefully. I think from a business person's standpoint, you would think that you would have that kind of deal in place. Otherwise they might end up just kind of strong arming him and, 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 uh, and, uh, and, and bowing into the pressure, but it'll be, I'm fascinated to watch this. I don't really have a dog in the fight. It's just fascinating to watch. And, uh, um, you're seeing these real polarized sides, pro freedom of free, 
pro freedom freedom of speech, pro cancellation and censorship, and those are the two sort of dramatic ends. And there's a lot of people in the middle. I think they're just interested in watching. And uh, it'll be interesting to see if what if anything. Uh, I was going to call them Shopify. <laughs> what if anything Spotify does about this? Yeah, um, no, you're anything, right. Anything that's, else? That's the next. Oh, that's sorry. I was going to say that's the next uh, thing to watch for. Is 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 this 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 controversy will die down? I think, and I, I don't think it's going to pick up great amount of steam but what's what comes next it's so funny that the guy who's who wrote rocking in the free world is trying to get someone canceled <laughs> <laughs> and are you a neil young fan do you like his music at all yeah not i'd say you know listen to an occasional song but yeah i didn't when i was a kid it was like oh my god but like as i've gotten older there was like, i'm like yeah i'm getting it i'm getting an appreciation for a couple artists that i didn't really i just wrote off when i was a kid and uh, he's one of them he's got some pretty good tunes and again, he's done himself a favor with this. Like, oh, like yeah. maybe he's uh, he was talking uh, about Neil Young before. <laughs> before yeah, this. nobody, nobody. <laughs> uh, all right, anything else you want to uh, bring up before we close this one out? Um, no, I don't think so. I think it was a good, good conversation. No plugs. No. Uh, see again, we have no advertising. No, right? no, so. we, we have no need for advertising. No, no okay, plugs. But let's connect oh. about uh, music yes. and the logo. Um, would you be averse to me maybe putting some together with the guitar for the for the song? Go for it. But like I'll come up with some options. I'll like well well I'll talk to you about genres or whatever. But uh like please tell me if they suck, right? Mm-hmm. I have no because we can always go get some stock music or yeah. uh, or whatever. But yeah, go uh, for the it. logo, I think just man, lo- logo's gotta go. <laughs> I think it's a barrier to listenership. I do. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was kind of cute and interesting. It just looks weird now. Yeah. Uh, these two It's the bandana thing. We have all passed things that. Are, it's very, Roy Rod- uh, very Roy Rogers. Very flamboyant. All right. Yeah. Great episode. Thanks for chatting. And uh, we'll rack them up again next week. Thanks, Warren. Thanks for stopping by. If you liked this episode, please rate, review, or recommend the show. See you next time.